Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron, and with me today is Mike Mbassiani, a very talented musician here in Florida, and uh, happens to be my nephew. Say hi. How you doing? Good. Good to be here. I'm glad you are I'm here. not a woman, but I sarcast. Well, it's 50-50, you know, right? at least you're half of it. I'm half there. Yeah, some people aren't even that. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about you today. Cool. Because even though you're my nephew, I don't feel like I know you quite well enough. Right. So it's a get-to-know-Mike show. Perfect. Very nice. What would you like to know? So, well, for our listeners, um, you are a musician. You have your own band called Mike and Bassiani and the Blues Rockers. And you're very well known in the Florida area of, what would this area be called? This is uh, southwest Florida from about Tampa to Naples. Because once you hit Naples, then you're going across Alligator Alley to mm. to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and that's considered South Florida. Oh, okay. So this area is more Southwest Florida, mm-hmm. and in Port Charlotte, that's about in between Tampa and Naples. So okay. I'm kind of in my little home base here. Right. <laughs> we went to a couple gigs. Yeah. And um, great turnout, and you guys are great, sound great with Dominic and... Deshaun. Thank you. And so when did you start playing music? I'm 22 now, and I've been playing guitar since I was 5, professionally since I was 11, and with my band since I was 14. Wow. Um, yeah. So <laughs> where did you get all this talent? Because I know it wasn't from your parents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what got you interested in music to begin with? Oh my, as as I'm sure you know, because you grew up with my mom, I'm sure she listened to a lot of music mm-hmm. from what she's told me. And just my parents who listened to it, my dad in college listening to it, and my mom, and then together. And then as I grew up, I listened to the Beatles and Eric Clapton and Bob Dylan. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was lucky enough to be able to have my parents get me a guitar when I was five and get me the lessons to start pursuing it. And, after a while, I guess I didn't suck, <laughs> so we were able to, uh, you know, keep it going a little more, and mm-hmm. one thing led to another, and then you hit the bar circuit, and yeah, well, you were what six? Yeah, right. It feels like <laughs> it. No, um, well, when I was five, it was you know I learned, I started, you know, the very regular way of learning an instrument. I guess going to get lessons with a. With the book and, you know, mm-hmm. Mary had a little lamb and old MacDonald had a farm and all that good stuff. And I, I still have those books and I look back on them and, and I remember getting through the first one and, and it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it. It was a challenge and mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person. So I like, uh, I'm, I can see somebody play something and over time figure it out mm-hmm. and that's developed over the years and with, um, in the beginning there when I was five and for the first couple of years that's all it was was just learn notes learn melody lines and which was fine and then that that turned into I got an, a, another guitar teacher who was also my drum teacher because when I was seven I got a drum kit because that was the original deal and I'm mm-hmm. sure I know you just did uh, the show with my mom uh, and 
she may have told you and you, you may realize she has said this from growing up with her again that she said when I wanted to play I didn't want to play guitar at first I wanted to play the drums and she said no that's not a real instrument oh, you really? could play yeah you could play <laughs> guitar or piano and so I picked guitar and, and they they were they were very smart parents they said listen if you stick with guitar for two years we'll buy you a drum kit so I stuck with it for two years and when I was seven I remember I was coming out of my uh, my karate class at the time and there was a drum kit in the car oh wow <laughs> so I got to play drums for a while and there was a time where I was just playing drums and mm-hmm. and then I, I kind of as time went on I started to sing because I was in a a quote-unquote band and I say quote-unquote band because we weren't really a band it was just it was my my guitar slash drum teacher mm-hmm. um who could play both and and i i at the time could play both and uh, so we would switch off depending on what the song was my friend andrew who who's now a medical student um and all my friends they uh whoever who were musicians or whatnot they none of them stuck with it i'm, mm. I'm the only one who really just kept it going but right. um and then one of his friends uh andrew was a guitar player and then one of his friends was a bass player and so it was andrew mike and preston and so we uh, we started a band called Empire Amp, Andrew, Mike, and Preston. Mm-hmm. It worked. <laughs> um, we played a couple schools, like their middle school they went to, and I was homeschooled all my life. So mm-hmm. we played in my house a lot if that counted as a school gig. <laughs> um, and we, we did a couple Christmas shows. I remember we'd play some of the nursing homes around here, and that oh, was cool. fun. Yeah. And then... I had a, I had to start singing at that point because I was the only one in the quote unquote band who was willing to sing or mm-hmm. who could sing. You know, at I think I was uh, eight or oh, nine wow. years old at the time. Yeah, um, I'm sure your voice has changed. Since oh then. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. You hear the deep voice, right? Um, and so it was about two years later. Yes, I was nine uh, when I was eleven. That um, I used to go to Gilchrist Park, which is right near my house here in Punta Gorda, and um, they had this thing called the Guitar Army, which was a bunch of guys sit in a circle and they play a bunch of music together, and you know, and you you learn new songs, you you learn to grow as a musician. And for me, at su- at such a young age, it was very important to do that mm-hmm. because that's what helped me grow my music knowledge overall you know how to play with other people so we um would go there every week and i'd have a new bob dylan song every week to the point where all i knew were bob dylan songs and so they used to call me little bob Mm -hmm. all the time because i sounded so much like him too which i don't know if it was a good thing or not (laughs) um and from that when i was 11 i went there from when i was nine to to um in my you know late teens and um but when i was 11 I was getting better, and um, they had the Hibiscus Festival there, which uh, in, in Punta Gorda at, Gil- at Gilchrist Park, and so that was my first quote-unquote gig. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't just you know show up somewhere and play a song or two. You right. know, it was an actual paid gig. No, no, <laughs> no oh, okay. it, but it was just it was a gig. <clears throat> it was the first like first time that me myself outside of you know oh, I see. my student or me as a, me as a student with my teacher you know playing at, at a nursing home or something right you know it was my first opportunity of a gig gig mm-hmm. you know something actually considered a gig right um and so 
uh, you know, 45 minutes set to open the festival, which, you know, cool. And there were other bands that day and other, other friends from the farm, from the, uh, guitar army that would play. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I got my first paying gig, hmm. which was a lady who saw me there. Very nice. Um, and the gig was for two hours at a church picnic. Wow. And I made 25 bucks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I still have a copy of that check in my scrapbook. Nice. nice. Yeah. Good. And um, so it was fun. It was nice doing that. Um, so what what do you like about playing music? Like what's what about it do you like? A lot of things. I mean, part of the reason why I play blues music and and classic rock music and and the rockabilly stuff that I do or the folk even even the folk stuff for that matter because it's that uh, on the folk end of it it's more of the storytelling mm-hmm. uh same same thing in the blues music but that's more guitar but as far as just just guitar um a most modern music doesn't have any guitars in it anymore i've made the uh connection that and this was starting to come out when Taylor Swift was coming out with more, or when she switched from country to, to more pop. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in most pop songs, you'd have, uh, instead of a guitar break, you'd have a rap break. Right. You know, they'd have some featured rap guest right. or whatever come out and, and do something like that. Yeah. And so that kind of took over the guitar solo part of a song because it was just a little part for a rapper to come on and do that now i feel like it's starting to shift back again mm. and there's a lot more guitar driven bands coming out whether it's greta van fleet or kaleo from iceland or, mm-hmm. but i like playing guitar and i like playing the music i play because it allows me to have the freedom of interpretation hmm. there's three ways that you can be a guitar player and play it play a quote-unquote cover song like if you learn Let's just say Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Um, there's three ways you could do you could go about it. You could completely obsess over the song, learn the song note for note, have every th- little thing little every little idiosyncrasy, which of course could never happen because nobody's gonna play it. Not even Jimi Hendrix could probably play it the same way he played it when he recorded the record. Mm-hmm. So it's a losing battle doing that anyway. But right. a lot of people try learning a song note for note, whether whether it's the important parts of the song that are recognizable or the parts of the song that are even Jimmy's interpretation, which every time you hear him play it, it's mm-hmm. different. Um, and when people do that, I say, well, why not? You just, why don't you just put the CD in the CD player and listen to it? Right. <laughs> because you're, that's essentially what's happening. Right. Um, then there's the other direction which i think personally is worse or which is uh when you say oh yeah i'm gonna learn purple haze by Jimi hendrix but you know what i'm gonna make it like it's never been heard before i'm gonna change every little thing about it where they say you know we're gonna learn this song but you know what we're gonna play it like it's never been played before so I'm not going to do anything that Jimmy did in that song. I'm mm-hmm. going to make it my own. You know what? Why don't we make it a reggae song instead? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And there are, there are people who do that. There are people who take songs uh, and, and, you know. And just murder, massacre they, Yeah, them. they massacre it. Yeah. They, they say, oh, yeah, this is Purple Haze. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and so then there's the road that I take, which is uh, 
the best of both worlds because in my mind when you listen to whether it's purple haze by Jimi hendrix or crossroads by cream eric clapton uh, but i can assure you that in that song there are specific guitar parts that do not change mm-hmm. right and yeah. that's uh, that's the tagline of a song that's what makes the guitar part in that song the guitar part right so that's what you learn note for note mm-hmm. because that's what has to be right and then outside of that you can do what you want with, so do you just with like the solos okay so you kind of embellish the solos make them longer right. or whatever. right and that's where you as a musician put in your you know your soul your your feel your put, signature right your signature that makes the song yours while also paying enough respect to what it actually is right you know a song you can't change the integrity of the song right just to fit your ego <laughs> you know you have to say if i'm gonna play crossroads by eric clapton i know that it's supposed to sound like this mm-hmm. but i know at this part this part and this part he's just making his own stuff up where i can do the same and put my spin on it mm-hmm. while still keeping the rhythmic integrity the actual guitar part the recognizable guitar part integrity of the song and still be able to connect with an audience and not just be a robot playing it too right so it's a fine line at times, but it's important. And that's and that's what I like, you know, going back to your question <laughs> 20 minutes later. Uh, that's what I like is my ability to pay respect to those amazing guitar players and those amazing songs. Mm-hmm. So what's the worst gig that you've ever performed? <laughs> uh, I'm I, sure I, you have one of those. I, you see, I don't see them as as worst i i see them as fun learning experiences because <laughs> i i know better than to badmouth anybody well um, no i don't want you to badmouth i know anybody, but, but you, you know, know but you have experiences I, i've had i've had interesting experiences yeah. you know i've had uh, very close calls with rainouts because that was the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> rainouts <laughs> um, yeah was bad rainouts and that's why i try not to play outside too much or if i do it's with enough cover all the time well, I mean, do most of the venues treat musicians pretty respectfully, or do they? I mean, it just depends on the the, the gig, the venue, the. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for you don't the need most to name part, any names, do. but right, I mean, I it don't... just seems like musicians kind of get the shitty treatment sometimes. Oh, you can curse on this podcast. Absolutely. Oh wow. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the internet. This is the world wide web. <laughs> That's right. Um, this isn't. Radio, radio. This is the it's fun radio. Garden. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know, it's tough because musicians get treated how they want to get treated. Yeah, you think that's what it is? I think a lot of people might not like me or... What's not the or, like? Or they have their... Oh, I'll explain. <laughs> Or they have their opinions of how I should do what I do mm-hmm. or whatnot. Because I don't treat this as a hobby. Mm. And I make sure that it's it's a business because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's the music business. Right. You know, it's not the music just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's not the music just for beer money. Right. You know, I... I have the reputation i have i have the success that i have for the last uh 11 years because i'm a hard ass at times because Mm -hmm. i won't take any 
Well, I mean, you're 22. Yeah. And you're quite professional for your age. Yeah. And mature. So <clears throat> I think that's a huge part of it, too. That comes that, from my lawyer father. Well, my nurse I wasn't going to mention him or her. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically, I think, when you walk into the room, people expect a 22-year-old. To be able to be walked all over. Right. Yeah. And, and then when and they can't. that can, doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. So have there been instances of course have there been you know situations that needed to be resolved in a uh, professional manner yes <laughs> mm-hmm. um have there been arguments over stupid things that you know if you give an inch they take a mile yes of course um at the end of the day i try to just think about it as there's pros and cons to every job right you know and at the end of the day while i enjoy what i do mm-hmm. this is still a job and I go to work, you know, this week of which we're recording this show, I've got uh, six gigs in five days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's over over 15 hours of playtime. Right. <laughs> Let alone going there, setting, setting up, up yeah. packing up, dealing with everybody, the traveling. traveling. Yeah. I mean, you've been, as you're on vacation here, uh, as we record this in my humble abode mm-hmm. um you've seen what it takes to to do that stuff and yeah you, you you went to one full gig you i know. was a roadie for you two were, days you were a roadie for two days and in you were five like, minutes i'm done <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like what else do i need to do yeah yeah right so yeah it's a lot you have to be able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and and not not saying that it's bad it's not but everything has its own situation. Right. You know, like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So, what happens when, I mean, you've experienced throughout your 11 years of like having to look for another drummer or having to look for another bass player? I mean, mm-hmm. is that just a typical thing for bands to have to do that? I try not to make it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously. People's lives change, or they right. their direction Things happen, changes. Direction and... changes, attitude changes, whatever. You know, yeah. I try to. At the end of the day, it's my band and my business and my brand because it, it, I'm more nowadays. Eleven years into this, I'm more than just a person. I'm a, you know, entity. Yeah. You know, and it is about branding. Yeah. Right, and and I, as I stated earlier, it's not just showing up and. And it's not a hobby. So right. just like any job, there's a dress code. There's a there's expectations mm-hmm. that have to be met. And and in the past, I've had I've had people who come on board and and they say, oh yeah, we got no problem, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with that. You know, we got no problem, you know, you know, having a at the time seventeen year old lead the band and they're right. you know sixty six, <laughs> you know, and then a month in they go. I don't want to take direction from a child, and then they say goodbye, and, <laughs> right. or I say goodbye. <laughs> right. Um, and it's a shame at times. And when, in the beginning, when I first started my band, it was tough because I didn't have that many band gigs. Mm-hmm. I had gigs, but I didn't have that many band gigs. I might have eight eight gigs a month, and maybe one or two would be a band gig. Mm-hmm. So, and the rest were solo gigs with my um, studio bass and drum tracks at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, where that was okay i have a rolodex of friends who are musicians who are great musicians who help who certainly helped me grow a lot because going to blues jams or rock jams or jam jams or whatever folk jams all Mm -hmm. the jams open mics and stuff strawberry jams 
Um, <laughs> it allowed me to grow as a better player and as a better band leader. Mm-hmm. Because when you're when you're amongst a group of six people who you may not have even ever met before, mm-hmm. and you say, "Here, go up and play some music together," you're like, "What the hell am I supposed to do?" Right. You know. And so you have to be able to say, "Okay, first of all, what's an easy enough song that we can all get through without train wrecking here?" Right. You know, because we still have to make it. Because we're not playing for us. Right. Yes, we're playing for us, but we're playing for an audience. Right. And I'll get back. Uh, I want to go back to one of the other questions of why I play. I play also for the audience. Yeah. You know, I'm playing for people who are obviously older than me. <laughs> you know, because everybody's 22. older than you. Right. And nobody grows up in Florida unless you're an orange. Um, and so everybody, most everybody in Florida is, I'll, I'll, I'll be generous. Forty-five to eighty-five. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so, I'm the way I see it. I'm playing music for people to bring back happy memories. Mm-hmm. Because I've had people come up to me and they go, "Man," because I, I I'm I'll learn a song by a band that's not a typical song you hear. Mm-hmm. Because every band can play, you know, eight days a week by the Beatles. Right. Nobody's playing something by the Beatles. Right. You know, I'm playing different Eric Clapton songs. I'm not just playing Cocaine. I'm not playing After Midnight. You know, I'm playing Crosscut Saw. I'm playing Crossroads. The you know the way it should be played, um, and other and other things, and because that triggers things 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 for certain people. You know, right. they'll come up to me and they go, Oh man, I remember when I heard first heard that song in 1973. You know, and that's what means the most to me too. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're performers. Yeah. We're we're literally, and I tell this to my guys. I tell this to everybody I deal with because it's important. Because you can let yourself be brought down so quick in mm-hmm. this music business, whether it's dealing with venues, dealing with attitudes, dealing with uh, the stress of loading in everything, mm-hmm. dealing with the stress of making sure everything's working right, learning all the material. There's a lot of stress that goes into this job that not a lot of people realize that I handle. Right. right. <laughs> and and so when I'm able to just go up and play for three, four hours, whatever. Yes, even part of that can be stressful. But then I look out at the audience and I see all the people that I'm making happy for three or four hours. Right. Let them forget about their shit <laughs> for yeah. a day, so I can so so I can give that to them. Yeah, yeah. And that in turn gives it to me. Right. Yeah, so that's I've, I've what's seen important. the audience and how they react to you, and you have a huge fan base. I yeah, mean, I'm very lucky to have the fan people base that have that been I following have. you since you've been, you know, 15, yep. whatever. So it's really cool to have that following, and I'm sure that helps you, you know, get up every day to do the gigs because you know they're going to be there. Right, it does. It helps a lot, and it's that it's that support that that helps say, okay, you know, that stress of that particular situation or whatever is worth it mm-hmm. because at the end of the day i still enjoy playing guitar right. if i didn't i wouldn't be doing it for as long as i have been right i still enjoy playing for these people for everybody because it's it is fun there's no doubt about it so you also do a radio show here right is that uh, a I had weekly a, thing or? i had an internet radio show where i played music for two years a couple years ago but don't you go to a radio I station? I go to I go to a radio station right now. Yeah, okay. once a week and talk uh, 
talk music, talk politics. Uh, Charlotte County speaks in okay. Port Charlotte here. Yeah. And you enjoy doing that? Is that I, something I that you want to expand on? Or Yeah, probably. Because it's it's another form of entertainment. It's entertainment. It's it's informative, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. whether I'm talking music or talking politics, you know. it's Because um, at 22, you know a lot about politics. I do. Believe it or not. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. We don't discuss that here. No. But, uh, yes, I find that... Uh, I try well, but th- you, that's my point right there. What you just said. What? I know a lot for twenty-two. <laughs> there were people in World War Two going to fight wars, and and at eighteen, even some sneaking onto boats at sixteen years old, right? Willing to lay their lives down for the country. So I, as a musician, you lay your life down for no, music. No. Well. <laughs> Yes, in some matter of the sense of the word, you know, I I I, I dedicate my life right to music and yeah. that in my performance. Mm. But in terms of being twenty two, it shouldn't matter how old you are. It to, doesn't to want to know what's going on, right? Know history, understand what's going on in the country, watch the news. You know, I hear I hear it all the time. People. People my age that I talk to, these young whippersnappers, and they go, oh, you know, I'm 22, I'm 25, I'm 30, I don't watch the news, it doesn't affect me. Right. Like, well, if you don't watch the news, you don't know how it affects you, do you? It's true. (laughs) So. It's true. I find that being aware and knowing what's going on and. Well, it's important. I like people watching too, so that's another perk of being on the stage. I get to people watch. (laughs) Yeah, and you have a lot to see. I do. Especially when they get up there and do their shimmying and. Oh, yeah. Shimmying and shaking. Yep. But, uh. Which is great, which is, I'm sure, helps you, you know. Yeah. With your performances and when you see people dancing. Well, and I'll tell you, and this is a a public service announcement to all the college age kids out there, you know. (laughs) You don't necessarily have to follow your dreams. Um, you have to just be happy, and you get that happiness from within yourself in, in understanding where you are, understanding where the rest of the world is compared to where you are, right. and, and finding, finding something you're good at and, and making that something you can make money at, make a living at, make a life at. Because at the end of the day, there's no doubt I'm extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. to be doing what I'm doing. But I know that there's a difference between being famous and being successful. Mm-hmm. Because there's no doubt about it right now with... I had 170 gigs for 2018. Mm-hmm. Which I had 150 the year before. Mm-hmm. And 123 the year before that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's steady growth. And then t- this and year And then this year for January through the end of December just booked I have 232. Wow. That that is tremendous growth. Yes. <laughs> I mean yeah. just looking at the scale of the last 4 years. Yeah. Where I know that at age 22 when there's people like Justin Bieber who get discovered at 13, you know, mm-hmm. who you know, however old these people. I watched the New York Yankees play and there's a 21-year-old making 2.7 million dollars a year right. hitting a baseball. Right. <laughs> you know, from the Dominican Republic or whatever. Yeah. You know, everybody has their their journey they're on and I know that I'm proud of what I've accomplished around here. I I and I know that 
is there a slim chance that I can be like Michael Bublé and play all over the world and play Madison Square Garden, do this, that, and the other thing? And, you know, yes, there's a chance. But I also have to have realistic goals right? <laughs> in terms of believing in the right now right. and the what's best for me right now. What can I do to make my career better for the end of this year, mm-hmm. for, for looking t- towards next year, for 2020? Yeah. You know, and that that's the difference between being famous and successful because there are people who will say, oh, I just need that shot. I just need to meet that person. I just need to get in front of that right person. I, mm-hmm. need, to, I need them to hear my thing. I need to I need to pay enough money just to get in front of the right people, this, that, and then, they, and then they're working at Publix. Right. Well, <laughs> and know? that's just it. Or Whole Foods. And, you realize and, and, that you know, the little things that you're doing now could turn into bigger things in the future. Right. And, and what I'm saying as my public service announcement to millennials here is that I, at age 16, had learned more about marketing, advertising, uh, and business dealings than a 19-year-old did who was studying marketing mm-hmm. in college, mm-hmm. working on hypotheticals. I was already working in the real world with and actually getting... Uh, something for it right you know i was getting results while mm-hmm. they were just getting an a <laughs> you know or an f if they suck right so my point is and one of the big things and one of the big topics nowadays about people quote unquote people my age is go to college well you don't have to go to college i didn't go to college you know become an underwater welder <laughs> that sounds like fun actually they get paid a lot of money underwater and, basket weaver yeah right well i couldn't a, be an underwater welder all right. It's that underwater thing. Well, let's see. Above, I couldn't do diving uh, either. Above <laughs> land welders make a lot of money too. Right. But, it, you know, it's the idea. I could idea. be like uh, um, Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. Yeah, right. There I could be that. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen Flashdance? No, but I think I've seen this. Yeah. <laughs> like back in the chair. All right, we're going to watch Flashdance yeah. after this. Okay. And, um, but my point is, you know, you can follow your dreams to an extent, but you need to be in the real world and see what's going on with your life. Well, I think you can follow your dreams and be in the real world at the same time. Yes, but it's that fine line, too. Just like playing music. Maybe. It's a fine line. I think you should just do what you love at the moment, and everything works out eventually. Yeah, because... Because you're doing what you love and what you're passionate about. Right, and if if you develop that, you can make money at it. Mm -hmm. Look at me. Look at you. You should go on a motivational speaking tour, maybe. There you go. Motivate these millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, music is a powerful thing, and that's why I enjoy it, too. Yeah. Well, that's cool. The stories they tell and the songs have, have that have songs that have been around for 70 years, and they still mean well, everything now. Yeah, and the people that you meet, and, yeah. you know. The connections you make, the, the friends you make. make, the musicians that you're able to make music with. You know, the guys uh, playing with me right now, Dominic and Deshaun, they're great guys. And and I, it's a business, yes, but I still treat it like family. Yeah. Because when you're spending so much time together, it yeah. needs to be. Yeah. And, and that's why, to me, two attitudes and egos are so important to not have. <laughs> because... Right. Because if you're spending so much time together and there's just there's that one person with a bad ego or bad attitude, it just brings everybody down. And, yeah, it's and, not and, a good vibe. No, it's not. Yeah. And I think it's cool that, I don't know if Deshaun, it seems like Dominic and Deshaun haven't been in a band like this before. That's a job, have they? Not as a job, no. Yeah. Um, so I think giving them that opportunity 
right to be yeah. exposed to that and, and have that experience is awesome too. yeah they're I mean, younger than me they're able you know i told them when they were when they were coming on it's like hopping on a moving train right <laughs> you know everything what i've been doing i, I i'm still doing you know yeah. nothing's changing we're just the thing's moving yeah. you know it's whether or not you want to be on board with this you mm-hmm. know and and they said yes and they're doing a phenomenal job and yeah and i see them growing yeah as musicians as young adults as as in the business with me which is nice well and the fact that you saw how good they were not necessarily based on their age or experience right and that, that potential because a lot of musicians yeah. i don't think would have done that no because they want the experienced musician to be part of their band right and so. i don't care how good of a musician you are if you're a pain in the ass to deal with nobody's going to want to deal with you right so they're good guys and they're great musicians with the potential of being uh incredibly amazing musicians mm-hmm. because they're so young yeah. and they're already good and they're already yeah they're amazing playing so much <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm jealous of dominic and his yeah drums. you got a drum kit now don't I you do. yeah i'm taking lessons and learning stuff I, there you go. it's more of a stress reliever it's just fun for me it kind of like there you go for takes Instagram me away videos. from you know yeah. life you could do instagram videos once a week like, i don't know if i want to drum <laughs> drum drum improvement what of not the week. to do <laughs> <laughs> when you're learning the drums yeah but well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Anytime. Well, thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. And I'm a man of sarcasts. <laughs> yes, you are. Show music provided by Mike Imbassiani. You can find him at mikeimbassiani.com. Mm-hmm.